Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. We're here on Kicking It on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Network on another Victory Monday. We're here with Grant Mahoney. Thank you, as always, to Kelder Manufacturing. That was a little bit of a kind of herky-jerky intro. I mean, Grant, I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to take one from the top? It's not scripted. You can just give it. A, give it a shot. Do an intro. I just want to. Welcome to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. This is Kicking It with Grant Mahoney and Jeff Woody. Brought to you by Kelder Manufacturing. Kelderman. Manufacturing. Manufacturing. What the hell's going on, Jeff? Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> welcome, everybody. We, on the, we are after a 27-14 win. Winning's the, fun. Winning is fun. 27-14 over TCU. And really, it's 27-7. Who? I mean, that's a garbage time touchdown. Iowa State's got their backups in. We'll call it what it is. It's 27-7. They really won 106-0. That's what I thought. But uh, Iowa State on Jack Trice, kind of the 100th, 100th, 100th year what, 100th anniversary, that's the word I was looking for. 100th anniversary of uh, Jack Trice. Cool uniforms, little bit naked down below. I'll be honest, uh, skin tone made a big difference on whether those uniforms looked really cool or a little bit questionable. I thought they looked really good, though. I mean, I because you wore them your senior year. But we had, they were like a yellower gold. We had, a, it was the red and gold on I top. I like these ones better, man. <laughs> these, these, uh, Those boys out there running around pantless. <laughs> I saw there was a uh, uh, a thing on social media <laughs> that they did an unnecessary censorship to the pants, which was A plus work. Nice. It really was A plus work. Uh, I thought the uniforms are still really cool, but yeah, like I would have looked, I, th- I feel like I would have looked okay because I'm not tan enough for that those pants, that pants color to really be like, oh, that's different because I'm kind of pinkish, like fairly pale and pretty pink. But somebody who has like a, like a, a solid tan, that's not a, that's not a great look. I mean, not, it's necessarily not a great, it's a, it's a it catches you off guard. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, thank God they had the long white socks <laughs> it was no, you know. and they had tan shoes yeah. <laughs> with little, uh, with, with toe, tan toe socks, they had toe shoes. That's, uh, um, but the things that, that took, that I took away from that, other than the fact that a plus on whoever the stadium intro people were, 
y'all got that figured out. I mean, there was, there was some, some herky-jerky moments early in the season. We started it too soon. We got the ticketing thing that was weird, and there was nobody in at the first game, and then the Iowa game, and then maybe there was uh, didn't quite get it going in the right time, and then whatever. But this one, I mean, it thunderstruck. <laughs> nailed it. A lot of sirens. Nailed it. Fireworks. Fireworks. A lot of fireworks, which left a haze because there wasn't a lot of wind. But there, I don't know how they... They really dialed up the weather super well too. Like I can, I know they for sure planned that because it's the Iowa State Cyclones is a meteorology department. They organized it because you know birds aren't real. Government has control of everything. Um, but there was like a, a faint wind that pushed it out of the way, like right at kickoff. But there was just like a haze during the coin toss. It almost felt like the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, a plus intro. I think Moto was up there doing some work too, up in the. <laughs> up, up, up behind was, the press box had a big old fan and just like a fog machine <laughs> he was he was probably just bitching about the fact that there was fog in the way that he couldn't get the video um modi is the he's been the film guy there for god knows how many years and yeah, uh probably 30 years and uh he is the most bluntly honest person that whether or not you want him to be is the most bluntly honest person so like you had you go and he's filming everything. Him and Alex Ernst are the, I mean, the two guys that have been filming everything and then have like some student interns that help around. So you just see him in the hallway and be like, you know, you had a, a bad game. Modi be like, well, that game sucked, didn't it? Like, yes. Yes, Modi, it did. Thank you for that. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Shout out to, uh, I'm sure he's listening, former uh, high school friend of mine, Justin Cook, was also a, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. A videographer, went to high school with him. Yeah. Uh, Great guy. Very ballsy because they got to stand all the way on top of everything. Well, yeah, especially when the kickers are aiming for him, <laughs> kicking right at you. <laughs> it's, oh, man. Um, but yeah, first thing that stuck out or stuck out is intro nailed it. Keep that pace. I mean, I love the fact because did you go? Were you there or were you watching well, this one on TV? I watched on TV. So we, we got offered to go to the game. But then they're like, oh, it's, you know, row seven or whatever. I was like, that's eh, probably too low. I, yeah, got, I don't like saying, I don't like saying low and it's kind of cold. It's going to be kind of cold. It's always going to be like 40 something. You're a wuss. Uh, yeah. Well, and I was like, well, I don't want to go at seven o'clock at night. Get home at 11 o'clock or midnight. You're a wuss. I like my sleep. Cause you're a wuss. Yeah. A little soft. Yeah. Uh, so no, I did not go, but I will be in attendance. I think for the, for the Kansas game. Okay. Which is, that's the next home game. And that's like a month from now. Um, but I, th the one thing I really liked about the intro was that they left thunderstruck going and then put so they did the uh, you know the cyclone weather alert thing, which is a I mean a plus love it, uh, very unique. And then they started playing Thunderstruck, and they left the kind of the sirens going on at the same time, kind of behind it. And then they had the the Jack Trice tunnel, the one coming through there that has the I will on it. Um, that that thing was lit up, all just LEDs, which red LEDs all the way through. And so they have the camera kind of backing up as the team is walking out, and it's just red light with thunder going. And it's just the whole, I mean, red for like a solid, you know, 15, 20 seconds of buildup and then fireworks for a solid like minute, A plus intro. Nice. Main takeaway. I saw pictures of the fireworks. Look, look good. Main takeaway was that. Um, so do, keep it up. Game day operations, A plus. I'll take Thunderstruck. It's not Slipknot, but I will take it. Uh, second thing is that that was the most complete game that Iowa State played, ha has played in a very long time. Like, cause I, definitely more than last year. I mean, maybe Ohio of last year where it was like 42 to six and there's a bunch of turnovers and a lot of points, but against, a, and we say against a good opponent, even though Ohio beat Iowa State this year, uh, against a big 12 opponent where the, it matters a lot for the big 12 standings where, whether it's Iowa or, you know, the big 12 season like that, you need a game where offense, defense, special teams all play together. 
that was tipped start to finish. Well, second quarter was a little rough. Mostly start to finish, offense, defense, special teams executing all the way through and beat a TCU is a good team. I mean, much worse once Morris got hurt, but still a solid team with a du- some dudes that are going to play in the league. And it wasn't close. I mean, you basically got to put your subs in in the back four minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy had had warned us about their running back, and he was oh, as good as Bailey. That dude, he was good. Nine can play. I think. Yeah. Because what is he a junior, senior, freshman? I mean, well, I, no, Aiden's going to look up. I think he's a sophomore. He's a if he. I mean, that dude can play because he was he was replacing Kendra Miller, which for my money, other than B. John Robinson's really good. Uh, but Kendra Miller was my favorite running back yeah. to watch last year because he created so much. Sort of Brees Hallish, where the, there wasn't anything there, and then there all of a sudden pops out for a twelve yard gain. He's a junior. He's a junior. Okay, so Amani Bailey. Do you know his uh, stats from Saturday? From Saturday? No, I don't have him pulled up. One hundred and sixty five yards rushing. One hundred and fifty two on twenty one carries. And TCU had in total. Let's see what were their uh, total yardage. Bring up the offensive statistics. So rushing, they had one hundred and eighty five yards, and he had one hundred and fifty two of those. Yep. 185 yards with only I say only but a long of 29 so it's not like it's you know he had a 70 yard rush or something well what did he average he averaged like 7.2 a carry I mean some of those uh in the first half tackling was not great in the first half I think a lot of times um they were coming a little bit high I think some of it was like kind of a juiced up environment where they're trying to like you know they're trying to kill somebody where you're you, you hit somebody right in the middle of the ribs you're gonna knock them you know get their feet up in the air whatever but I think some of it was that some of it you got to just chalk up to the fact that like if you're not prepared for how athletic somebody is you might be like damn like okay that, that dude's got more ze- take, more, yeah, takes you, takes more you zest couple, than i thought a couple snaps um but yeah so some of it's just really good offensive play like it, i mean chandler morris was going to make plays like that touchdown pass that he threw that's the reason why he was as highly recruited as he was is because dude can run he's absolutely i mean when you get that far off script that is just street ball. That is try and find a window, get someone in there. Yes, would you like to tackle him? But dude, just play. Guys are going to make plays. That's, that was the second one too. He had, he had one on like third and long. We had, you know, I would say had, had two or three chances to tackle him. He slipped out and then made like a whatever, however far completion to get a first down. I was like, yeah. come on, man. Like it was, it was early on in the game, I think. And I was like, this, this is going to be the kind of game it's going to be. Did not end up being did that not kind of game. But I was like, oh, jeepers. Then he went and did it on a touchdown. And then from that kind of from that point forward, I I think what. Iowa State did to match that is they essentially just sacrificed a linebacker. Uh, Lovett was the guy in the situations when it was kind of a longer down a distance situation. Lovett ended up being a spy. And what a spy means in the sense of what they were playing against that is a spy doesn't mean you're sitting back at like five or seven yards and you're just like, oh, I'm going to get the quarterback. I'm going to You're literally like on the line of scrimmage, about near the line of scrimmage, and you stay there because the defensive linemen are going to rush. The offensive linemen back up. They, I mean, they kick step. They're literally moving backwards. So you stay on the line of scrimmage. And when the quarterback breaks the pocket, that doesn't necessarily even mean that he's trying to run. When he breaks the pocket, you run to his upfield hip because you're trying to get him to stop and turn back because best case scenario, you get a sack. Next best case scenario, you turn him back and then somebody else gets the sack. Like the, the sack that... Uh, Singleton had, uh, or excuse me, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the the sack that Singleton had, that was because Lovett did a really good job of getting to his upfield again, make the tackle ideally, but hit his upfield hip, make him stop, and then somebody's going to be there to make the sack afterwards. So this, they did a really good job, I think, after that of spying the quarterback, so he can't just take off and make these spectacular, you know, what could be nothing plays into something where it turns a nothing play into like a negative two yard gain or. If as the when you're spying, 
and the guy breaks the pocket. You run at him. He goes, ah, shoot, and throws it away. And then it's an incomplete pass rather than something big. So they did. I think that was the main adjustment they had. The other main adjustment that they had from last week to this week, number seven played. That is a huge difference. I mean, there was a play. Um, I'm sitting on the home sideline. On the, our seats are on the home sideline. So as the offense is moving from right to left, so going towards the south end zone, there was a play where Bailey... I think was just about to pop out the right side and he was like in the minus 20 or minus 30. And if Malik Verdun wasn't there, that was an ADR touchdown. So I, I was telling the kind of, my wife was sitting near me and then a couple, it's actually uh, Jacob Emming's parents. He's a, a linebacker on the team. His parents were sitting right in front and kind of Emming's dad. And I looked at each other and like last week, that was a touchdown because seven wasn't in there. So whoever was in for him, wasn't going to take the right angle. Wasn't going to make the hit, whatever that guy being in there eliminates so many big plays from happening. So like that was the big thing that I think schematically they did in the back half of the game is they spied the quarterback and then Malik Verdun being in there most of the game allowed for run fits to just be normal. Well, I think too that, you know, this team is still so young that some guys are being plugged in and you see how they, how they play and um, some guys being pulled out. And I think, you know, love it. Maybe just hasn't had the chance to, really earn his stripes. And I think this game, I think he deserves more playing time. Cause I think he played really well. And I mean, he, he did what he's supposed to do, but I just feel like whenever he's on the field, he's, he's making plays and I'm not saying the other linebackers aren't because you know, you, you see, you've seen bacon in there a lot, making mm-hmm. a lot of good plays and Sadowski's making some here and there and Vaughn. And um, I think Wilkes coming on as well too, but I just, I, I was, I was really impressed with, you know, Lovett's game and yeah. And I think the way that played. they put him in situations to be successful. And I think that is a, one of the things that this, that specifically defensive coaching staff, and then we'll get to the offense here in a second. The the defensive coaching staff does a really good job of putting guys in situations that they can be successful and then not in situations when they can't be successful. And I think that's probably one of the other things they kind of went back to the drawing board last from last week to this week of saying, like I noticed in the first, when you're playing against the team that runs as much tempo as Oklahoma does and as TCU does, if you have subs to start the drive, like Iowa State tends to do. They like to have substitutes, like, you know, to give the, like, the whole safeties except, you know, Freeler. So you have two backup safeties in Bo Freeler and then the starting corners and then maybe a backup linebacker and, the, and they'll just rotate a bunch of guys in. But when you do that against a team that plays that much tempo and that guy isn't quite prepared for it, they're going to keep that dude on the field because they're just going to run a, run a play and run a play and run a play and run a play and you're not going to be able to substitute off of it. So if you go back and watch the first probably four or five drives that, that most of them ended up in interception, um, sort of a bend but don't break situation. Uh, the three starting safeties and the two starting corners were on the field pretty much the entire game until Verdun kind of tapped himself out because he was, you know, he's, he's coming off an injury. He's not quite in the same shape as everybody else is. So until he tapped himself out and they ran Ben, ben Nickel on the field, but it was Cooper, Freeler, Tampa, and Purchase. Were, those four were on the field and Verdun was on the field for 75% of those snaps. And then when they did start to rotate people in, it was an obvious passing downs when you don't have to think. You don't have to fit the run. It was like Iowa State's up by 17 and it's third and 12. And now let's put them in. And then if it starts going fast again, then at that point, you're 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 less likely to see a ton of running play. So they ran a lot more of their starters in the game for longer in situations when they could be successful and not putting a guy like a Jamison Patton who did play a lot in the second half, but didn't play him a lot in the first half while while the offense was still in a mode where the, the, the TCU offense is still in a mode where they're going to do anything because it's still a close game and they can run the ball, they can throw it short pass, long pass, everything. And if that's the case, you have a young guy in there. 
they're going to pick on him. And so they didn't put those guys in situations like that. So I think they did a good job with Lovett of saying, you're really good at getting after the quarterback. You're a really athletic dude. Let's put you in a position where you can spy or it's an obvious passing down, go run, go get the quarterback. So it was those things that they're doing. I think they did a better job of in the second half. Now that they've had four or five games to get an idea of what everybody's going to be because this team is so young. And I don't know too, if it was so much that, um, I mean, Jeremy had kind of talked about it that, you know, TCU's offensive line was not quite as good as it was last year. I'm not sure if, you know, it's, it's as much as Iowa state was just getting after the quarterback or TCU's line wasn't that good, but I felt like Iowa state was all over the quarterback. I felt like outside of Bailey, they didn't really do anything. TCU didn't really do anything. And I just, I don't know. I, again, I'm not sure if that was so much on Iowa state or TCU, but I thought that, I thought that was our best. That was Iowa state's best game defensively that we've seen. I've seen in a long time, but for sure this year. Well, and I think the, one of the things that I liked about it. So like when, when in the first few drives, it was, 50-yard drive. I mean, I can pull up the drive chart. The exact number of yards. I mean, it, 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 TC was moving the ball pretty effectively. I mean, they had they had until 30, they want to the ball. Right, 33-yard drive, 63-yard drive, 19-yard drive, 78-yard drive. Then after that, they went four, four, nine, negative three, 37, 56, 35, 43. So there were at a certain point, and by the time those 37 and 43s come, uh, Iowa State's up substantially so whatever um but those first few drives they started they were driving successfully and i was a little bit nervous that last week had bled into this week but the difference is last week you saw iowa state trying to force fumbles or jump passes that didn't need to be there and by trying to force it you ended up missing it versus this one how turnovers happen is you don't seek turnovers you play really good defense and put yourself in situations then those turnovers will find you like last week uh oklahoma hucks up a prayer and they have a big wide receiver catch it on like the 16 yard line and there's four dudes that are trying to punch the ball out instead instead of trying to make a tackle well if you just make a tackle make them run another play there's your better chance of actually getting an interception or a fumble you know the, the example is like the Bo Freeler play where he his first pick where he essentially catches it off the dude's chest because he's just in contact enough. You play physical defense, sometimes that ball's going to pop up. You're not sure which one it's going to be. So I think they did a better job this week of kind of forgetting the last play and not trying to make the biggest play on earth and just play fundamental defense and good stuff's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm glad that you know Iowa State didn't allow that absolute ass beating from Oklahoma linger into this you know and in, in, into this week um and i i feel like you know the, the the boys are playing they're playing good ball at the right time you know i, th- I think cincinnati is not gonna be an easy an easy game i mean we're, we're a young team and iowa state's over on the road over on the road that's what i was gonna say it's over on the road i will say though that the teams that iowa state has lost to are combined 16 and 2 on the year so it's not like we're right i was only lost one game yep yeah 16 somehow and two. somehow so, I mean, Iowa State's lost to some good teams, and yeah, it sucks losing to Iowa and Ohio, and I mean, Oklahoma as well too, but I don't know. I'm uh, I'm, I'm drunk on the Kool-Aid, man. I think this team's clicking at the right time, and yeah, let's, 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 uh, let's shift to the offensive side. Hey, let's, let's take a timeout, though. Let's see. Let, let's get the meat and potatoes, the real important stuff. I was going to say the best for last. We can dive into let's it now. Let's dive into it right now, because the it. offense is a little bit more of a longer conversation, but let's get special teams uh you, you, you heard coach campbell talk i don't know if you watched the video is on instagram he, he talked about you know some of the guys um you know he said malik for don dog bo freeler dog 
Our guy, Darian Porter. Darian Porter, special Dog. teams. Dog. Ace. Bettendorf's finest. Uh, that dude's blocked three punts in his career. Three. Man, he's long, lanky, fast. He's the type of guy you want going for punts. How many punts did Iowa State have in like the decade before? How many blocked punts, you mean? Yeah. Uh, by by, by Zach there. Sandvig alone? or <laughs> I feel like Zach Sandvig had like 15 by himself. Uh, I feel like we had maybe two in five years that we were there. I almost, I almost had two. I could feel the ball going right past my fingers. Like I think, I think Sandvig by himself had two. When, because I played Sandvig had. Uh, there was one year that I played where he did not play, and I feel like he alone had two or three by himself. But still, three in a career, yeah, is nuts, and two in the same year is nuts from one guy. So uh, I think he is he is at Matthew Slater territory, like college version of Matthew Slater territory. He's the special teams ace for the Patriots, which not exactly uh, a ringing endorsement to say anyone's like the Patriots right now, but the the guy is so good at that job that he becomes part of your special teams is where is number 10? Because he is, whether he's a gunner, because he's gonna, he is the, the best, him and Ben Nickel, as far as gunners in the punt team, going to be the first ones down there. That's why there's like been zero returns against Iowa State uh, and Tyler Perkins. Um, but... Whether he's on the punt block, whether he's on kickoff cover, like you have to find number 10 because he's that good. And Iowa State's been without Darren Porter for the last two games because he's been kind of nursing an injury. This is the first time he's actually been back. Welcome back, Darren Porter. You guys are healthy in the click at the right time, Jeff. I think we're going to the college football playoffs. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Also, you were mentioning a uh, good fashioned ass kicking. What do you think hidden yards was? And so let me take a step back because we did. I did have a guy approach in the stands uh, who was like, "Hey, just restate for." Because he was like, "I'm, I, I I'm did, not." Did he give you his name? And he didn't give me his name. He's like, "I, I, I'm a little bit confused on hidden yardage, and I, I can't be the only one." So here's a restating of hidden yards. So in a, in a slightly different way, if Grant, if your team is playing my team, and uh, my team starts on the thirty yard line with uh, with a drive and then the next drive you start and then you know why i punt and you start in the 10 yard line you throw a 20 yard pass which is a big play by all by all accounts that's a big play you just got to where i started so the yards that i gained that i that i just started closer to the end zone those yards are called hidden yards you just total those up throughout the game where if i average starting on the 35 and you average starting on the 25 and we each have 10 drives, I started 10 yards closer to the end zone than you for 10 consecutive drives, which mean I had 100 less yards that I needed to get 
to get to the end zone, which is a good thing, which is a good thing because then my offense, you know, if, if, if let's say we had 10 drives and we started on the plus 10, you know, 10 yards away from the end zone on every single one of them, you could theoretically win a game 70 to zero and gain 100 yards of offense all intents and purposes. That's pretty good because you scored seven, you scored 10 touchdowns on 10 drives, but you only gained 10 yards every time. So the statistics of being like, Oh, they only ran for 13 yards in the game. Well, it's because they special teams put them in a situation that was so much closer to the end zone that it was easier to get. So hidden yards is the total number of yards that one team was closer to the end zone than the other team by change of possession. So when you when you look at the total yards uh, from last game, you see that TCU had 398 and Iowa State had 353. You know, and you'd say, yeah, TCU outgained Iowa State. Yeah, TCU should have won this game. They had you know almost almost 50 yards more than Iowa State. I'm going to say that Iowa State won the hidden yardage battle. By like 200 yards, Aiden. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 100. I'm gonna say 176. I was gonna say like 120. 146 yards of hidden yardage. All right, so meet in the middle. There we go. If if a running back had 147 yards, or excuse me, 146 yards in a day, you're like, man, that dude balled out. That's Breeze Hall. Special teams had 146 yards, and that blocked punt was a huge part of it because you started with started the drive on the 11, which should have been the five. They misspotted that yeah. ball. Yeah, should have been on the five yard line. Um, also, side note, Fox, please send broadcasters to the stadium. Just I was wondering if they were please involved. send the broadcasters to the stadium. Even send I love I love Petros. He's w- great, super 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 fun. Like has the right tenor, but Petros was calling that game from Los Angeles, and so they called Ben Nickel. Bramer like four times and then they're just miscalling because they're watching it on a TV and that's not their fault but like Fox please send people to the stadium there was one play too um obviously you're at the game there was one play where it was a play action and, and TCU threw it and it was like focusing on the quarterback and it's like oh the ball is 15 yards down the field and you can hear the announcers oh they um wait for the camera to pan overthrew the receiver yeah it's, like, it's, it's, it's not their fault they just they yeah. were they're calling that game from Los Angeles um Anyway, I think that was because they flexed from Fox Sports 2 to Fox Sports 1, and they True. weren't going to send somebody on Fox Sports 2, but they did flex to Fox Sports 1, which eventually, I mean, that's... They would have loved the game day atmosphere had they been there. Yep. Um, if you want somebody to... Fox, if you want somebody to call your games, I know a guy. What's up? His name is Grant Mahoney. Nope. Um, <laughs> okay, so anyway, so Iowa State won hidden yards by 146 yards, including a blocked punt, and so the average starting field position, uh, TCU average starting on their own 28, Iowa State average starting on their own 37. Starting on your own 37, the most yards on average, the most yards that you could gain on that is 63 yards. You That's the most yards in any one drive uh, with that average that you can get, 63 yards on that drive. That is in, that is terrific starting field position because you just want to win, you know, you want to win it by 10 yards. Granted, you didn't quite make that happen because it was 37 to 28, but man, that's a, that's a big, huge day for special teams. And I think we could have even pinned, um, I think I would say could have pinned TCU even deeper. And Perkins had a bad day. He did. I'm still on the All-American train, but he he, sure, only, he had a bad day. He he only averaged you know 34 yards a punt um, of his six punts, only two were inside the 20. I don't I know think, if it was I don't know if it was windy, but I, I, a lot of the kickoffs too. And I'm not sure if it was intentional or not. But Shackford's he wasn't putting him in the end zone. He was dropping him about the five or six yard line. Perkins would punting from the 50. He was dropping it at, at about the 20-ish yard line. He should be putting those closer to the, to I the think, goal line. I think he got spooked by last week getting the punt blocked, and then TCU brought pressure. Sure. So I think he was just sort of. He uh, he felt the rush. Sure, in my opinion too. I mean, he's he's such a good punter. I think he can still. I'm I'm still in favor of angling and angling it for one of those front pylons because if you do hit it long, 
you've got a better chance of, of putting it out at the at the within the five than you do, mm-hmm. you know. Because if, if you hit it, if you hit it a punt straight, if you're on the fifty, hit a punt straight. That's fifty straight yards. If you aim for the pylon, you're hitting at fifty four yards. You know, uh-huh. whatever, just because of the angle. I'm not good with numbers, but in math, hypotenuse. Whatever. Yeah. The you know the acute angle is less than the obtuse angle, and but technically that's always true. An acute angle is less than an obtuse. Yeah, angle. I'm just, just kind of I'm just kind of talking. For all the math teachers out here, they're just screaming at their podcast. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I I think he's good enough, and I don't know what their game plan is, so I'm not gonna, you know, I know Campbell's listening, so I will say, ooh, um, I know he's listening, so I will say, um, if if we can do the um, the red eye state stencil on the helmet at some point this year in an away game, let's do it. Best Wait, what are you talking about? The best helmet we've had. I just know Campbell's listening, so I want him to. Wait, which which logo? Ooh, that we won at Akron. Yeah, Akron in 2017. The best helmets we've worn mm-hmm. up until I, I think his Ames ones are pretty slick. The Ames ones are clean. The Ames, good job. The Ames. Shout out my brother. He was the one who tweeted the video. <laughs> I missed that. Such, I, I saw such someone a, say that. I missed that though. I saw oh someone my say God. Okay. that. So a college game, you can, Aiden, you can explain it because your brother was the one that claimed the fame. So college game day, they do, I think it was actually before college game day. Like they have a segment on the sports center before where they have like uniforms of the week or something like that, where they kind of focus on this uniform means this and it's for this purpose. This is why they're doing it. And they showed the Jack Trice uniforms, and Iowa State wore the Ames logo on the helmet because before they were the Cyclones, they were the Ames. That's, they, what, they, that's what they said. Legitimate. And yes. then end clip. Oh, no. So it was like, they used to be known as the Ames. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Like, what a shocking Not lack of research. Yeah. Like, shocking lack of research. I mean, I, I understand. And so to be like a little behind the scenes there, I'm sure that was a producer that was just putting this thing together. They got they got shipped that thing and they're like, oh, this would be a cool package. I'm Iowa State, I'm sure, did the filming for that and then just sent ESPN that thing. And I'm, I'm guessing that producer is probably like 15th in the pecking order of something like just get it distributed down, do this thing. And they probably have seven other segments to work. But Google, man. Like how, just, how, are you, how are you just going to put that out there as if, as if, if you, no one is going to... If you just like, typed Iowa State space Ames, you would get a story of saying, oh, they're in Ames. And even if it's not, because it used to be Ames College, right? Like that was uh, Iowa State Teachers College, and or excuse me, not, that was you know, University of Northern Iowa, but it was like Iowa State College, and then it was Ames, Iowa, this, the town. I, I wish I wish you would have said something like they used to be called the Ames, which stands for American. Like, like it was like an acronym. <laughs> they made an acronym for. Yeah. But they just completely like leaned into the idiot. Yeah. But yeah, the Ames, great job, the Ames. So proud of that. So now we've trashed Fox Sports and ESPN. Who else is a broadcast partner of Iowa State Broadcasting? Apparently, Peacock puts puts out sports now. That was. I mean, I have to I have to somehow watch that game because I still on Channel Five on. Saturdays, I do. Heart, I do break that down. Um, it's fun to watch their defense. It's really good. That defense is super, super good. Cooper DeGene's the best player that Iowa State has played against at any position in a couple years. And uh, everybody else, though, especially on the offensive side. Good Lord. And I don't know. I mean, so Aiden, you're a Bears fan, right? Unfortunately. Okay, so you have at least had a couple good games. So like, a, you know, let imagine if you're an Iowa fan. And also like a Steelers fan at the same time. Just watching the exact same team. Just, just same. copy and paste. It's the same Especially colors. with the Steelers in Iowa. It's the same colors. It's the same great defense with garbage. off. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, at least Iowa State at this point has gotten some offense going. But okay, before we get to the Way Iowa State offense. Way too much Iowa talking. Before we get to the Iowa State offense, 
Chase Contreras missed field goal, bud. Yeah, he sure did. Um, so he let me let me see here. So on the four, he had a forty nine yarder. Um, he hit it clean, but that's where he that, that's where his hips were pointing, and so at the point of contact, his bad aiming point. Yeah. So his um, I mean, you want to have your hips square to your target at when you're hitting it, and his hips were square to that left upright. Uh, I, I had to go back and rewatch it because I I wanted to see if that's how he stepped it off. The the broadcast kind of um, came in as he was taking his steps over, so I didn't really see his his angle stepping back. I think his angle was fine, but when he when he planted, his plant foot was facing at that left upright. Hit it well, just hit it straight. You know, hit it left. Um, you know, we had solid snaps, so shout out to Knobloch for for having um, yeah clean know, snaps, clean snaps, good snaps. Um, we want to see that on, on all punts and field goals, PATs. Looked good there. Um, yeah, we talked about Darren Porter, dog, blocking dog. that punt. And then dog. Perkins, still still on the All-American bandwagon. Um, bad game, but... Hey, even he, Clay Thompson's gonna, even Clay Thompson's going to go two for nine. He's human, you know? so you know it's good to see he is human. I expect him to absolutely come out and crush it versus Cincinnati because he is also a dog. With the, uh, with the missed field goal... I, I mean, that was a 49 yarder. It wasn't like it was a chip shot. Like you kind of, the margin seems a lot smaller from that distance where you're like the odd, what if you're kicking 10 field goals from 50 plus, what are the expectations? What should be reasonable expectations of how many you make from 50 plus? I mean, 10. Okay. Yes. You want to <laughs> make 10, but in the same way, like a, you know, a PGA, a PGA golfer is going to, you're 150 yards out. They're going to put it on the green eight times out of 10, but they're still going to miss twice. And for, so for me, I'm thinking that if I can get from 150 yards, if I can put it on five times, I'm doing pretty good. So like realistically, not Justin Tucker, who, what are the odds of making 50 plus yard kicks? Uh, if we exclude our guy, Blake groupie, cause he's not human. He's a robot. Five, seven stud. That's right. Um, I mean, I animal, perfect athlete. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever want to, you know, when I was kicking, I never, I never went out there thinking, you know, Oh, is this one going to go or not? Like I, every time you step out there, you, you think you're going to make it. So, you know, what, is, what is a, a good percentage over 50? I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, 80, I, 70. Yeah, oh yeah. I think that, I think that's really good. I think, I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're seven to 10 from 50, it's really good. I think even five for 10, you, you could say would be good. So, so far the fact that Contreras has made all but one of his 49 plus yard field goals. We can sort of just like, Hey, shit happens. Get it next time. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he bounced back and honestly the, the short ones he had, in my opinion, those are, those are harder than the long ones. Really? The, the, the ones that are real close. Oh yeah. Like the, that sharp angle. Those ones are hard. I promise you, you ask any kicker, they're going to say, I don't like those short ones. See, what's ideal kick. Okay. Uh, I have some bad news. What? Someone in this room was five for 14 from 50 plus yards in their career. It was me. <laughs> it was Jeff. It was me. I know. I was five for 14. I know. <laughs> hey, you got to believe it though. Hey, you know, when you got a big leg, you let the big dog eat. Sometimes <laughs> he eats, sometimes he starves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think over, while, while we're talking about stats, I think I had uh, over half of my kicks in my career were from 40 yards or further. You can look that up. 35 so or 40 yards. 34. Wait, from how long? From either 35 and further further or 40 and further. I think over so half my kicks. 40 and further, you were... Well, we don't need to see the number. <laughs> Just you the kick, total number. You kicked 34 kicks. kicks that were 40 plus yards. And you only kicked 32 kicks from 
thirty or thirty nine and in. So yeah, dude's got a big leg. <laughs> he might be skinny, but he's got some power. That's right. Um, so again, that's that's kind of along with the hidden yardage. You know, you look at the numbers, doesn't say the whole story. You got to dive in and be like, oh shit, this guy had over half his kicks are from forty yards. Stud. Somebody's defensive about their stuff. Dog. No, I'm not defensive at all, man. I was proud. I mean, you know, I always said, you know, okay, so I don't know if I said this already on the podcast or not, that my, my dad kept a scrapbook from all of like when we were in college. And um, one of the, I can't remember who it was, Des Moines Register, someone asked me um, after the game, like, oh, how did you feel about the, like in my, my sophomore year, I think, maybe freshman year, I attempted like a 50, I think 57 yarder um, freshman year versus Army, I think we played. Uh, missed it and I was short, but like, how did you, how did you feel, you know, going out there kicking that one? And I, and I said, you know, I felt really good. I was, I was out there smoking them, you know, in, in pregame. I felt really good about it in the news clipping. They put, I felt really good. I was smoking uh, in pregame. <laughs> I went back and read that. And I was like, what in the world? Like the editor didn't see it and think, oh yeah, this is okay. That just needed a sig to kick those. <laughs> you just need yeah. to puff on a heater yeah. before you get yourself a lucky strike before you get your... <laughs> Little black and mild action. That's right. <laughs> Swisher sweet, baby. I was smoking before the game. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Just, it's like Len Dawson in the locker room. He just got a cigarette in your mouth. Was, offense, defense going to their meetings. Hey, we're, if they come out of three eye, we got to make sure that we do. And there's specialists. <laughs> you, you and Guy are just passing back and forth a Marlboro. Yeah. He goes, Zach, take a hit. <laughs> Oh, God bless it. Oh, man. Should we talk about offense? If we can talk about offense. Um, before, because we, we we do have to say, though, this is if anyone's expecting an interview, um, it's probably not going to be in the title because Aiden's pretty good at putting titles on it that are appropriate. We don't have an interview this week because everybody said no. Actually, they didn't say no. They just didn't respond. Like, just left me on red. Just ghosted me. Since I take that back. I take that back. Um, almost had Travis Kelsey, but... He's busy. But, yeah, his his PR guy said... He's a little busy. So uh, I don't know why. I don't know what he's doing. I haven't heard anything from Travis Kelsey in a while. I also text Taylor Swift and said, hey, like I know the PR guy says no, but like any way you can get him on. Like I don't, like, you don't need to be on, but like can Travis be on? <laughs> I don't care about you. She sent, she, she, haha, she laughed at that text. The, the, just, it. just did a, the, uh, the emoji, like the, re, just the tap to reply. Like the, uh, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Then actually send an emoji back. Just, I, I know she read it, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we do, so we don't have an interview. So the uh, Goldfinch Athletics interview is not actually a thing this week, but we do have fun stuff. So we got finally, we've been working on this for a while. We have all of our gear, our custom gear. We're working with a company called Tier, T-Y-R. They're huge, like Paris Olympics. They're going to be the primary swimming sponsor of for the Olympics. Uh, they are going to be there with the, as far as the CrossFit games, they're like three of the top four athletes and seven of the top 10 they're the primary sponsor of them. It is high, high quality stuff. And we get all of our custom stuff on there and it can ship directly to your door. So all you have to do, you know, the, you know the fun fact, get 20% off everything in the store. If you just go to fitness.tyr.com and sign up using code gold one, it gets shipped directly to your door. The number one customer or spelled not, out. Just the number one, G-O-L-D, the number one. Sign up fitness.tyr.com. Sign up using code gold one. And whether it's our Goldfinch custom stuff, or tier stuff, shoes, lifters, training stuff, swimming stuff, kids stuff. All of that is 20% off. So it's a hell of a deal. Fitness.tier.com. You get your goldfinch athletic stuff or just regular tier stuff. 
But anyway, uh, yeah, check it out. So Aiden, you're going to put the link in the bio or in the link in the description? Attaboy. Uh, Okay. That's what I pay you for. (laughs) I uh, I don't pay you anything. Um, This this, this week's um, Blake Groupie update is also brought to you by Goldfinch Athletics. He is 11 of 12 on the year. So... Our guy, Blake Groupie, Brent Bloom's out here doing the Lord's work. Five, five, seven bucks, 60 of pure stone, chiseled granite. Just Aiden White out there. Just, huh. Uh, so I was, Iowa State's offense. Iowa State ran the ball for the first time. Let's talk about Brendan Black. All season. 51, true freshman, coming from the crew. Uh, Road grader. And, it, but this was, this was the first time. So Iowa State, in the first half of last week, this lineup is what they went. It went Neil Hufford, Bonfils. Jim. Bonfils. His name is Jim. You got a center, you name him Jim. You call him Jim. So Jim, and then Black, and then Miller. And so you've got that. That lineup has sort of been the most. It's been the mo- easily the most effective run blocking lineup. And I think we've. It was back in the. I don't know. Last year we were talking about this. The easiest comparison with the offensive line is that it is very similar to a basketball team where you don't necessarily need the five best air quotes basketball players. You know, you're saying you're looking for your best five, but you need the five guys that communicate and play the the best between them. And sometimes that is just like sheer happenstance. We're like, just maybe there is a point guard and a, a shooting guard that just totally understand spacing. It's not communicated. It's not spoken. They just intuitively understand if this point guard is coming up on the left side of, you know, I'm, I didn't play basketball. He's coming up on the left side of the court. I need to make sure that I am, you know, that the feeling of space needs to be further away that the, and like, they just get it. Well, you want them on the floor together. High basketball IQ. Yeah. High, and, and just the combination of the five guys that, uh, that function the best together, that lineup is what you want. So is black one of our best five linemen? Maybe, but within the, within the framework of this offensive line, he is definitely one of the best five. Now, another little thing that gets thrown into this is Remsburg's eligible to come back just ask you this that. week. He has been dinged up a little bit. Um, so I don't know if he's going to play, especially because it's Cincinnati by week at Baylor. So you have another, you have another week after this, or really two more weeks if you wanted to get him back for Baylor. But he might, if he's healthy enough to get some action, just to shake the cobwebs off, like I'm guessing he's going to get at least some run and he's probably going to go in for Neil. But... Neil had his best game of the season. So this, the offense, the offensive line finally played a good run blocking game. And there's reasons for that, but the offensive line finally played their first, their best game and black being a true freshman at guard. That is wild. Yeah. That's really impressive. Um, I think the only, only one that ever, I think Scott Houghton, Scott Houghton plays a true freshman. when we And KO Houghton and KO in the same year. KO was redshirt freshman, but yeah, point oh, still okay. stands. So I had two, two freshmen. Two freshmen, but yeah, yeah, I mean, point still stands. And both those guys, so I think Scott could have gone NFL. And obviously KO, he could still be playing had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, well, I think he's doing well well enough for himself. I think he's just invested. He's an investor now. Like that's his primary job is he just took all the money that he made and is now just investing in companies and stuff like that. That's pretty like, smart. Good for him. He's yeah. sharp, super sharp dude. Um, one of the highest paid uh, linemen at one point. At one point was the highest paid offensive guard in history of the NFL, which worth it. He's got two rings to prove it. Um but the offense, like the thing that the offense did is so when they're talking about like letting Shieldhouse cook, this is the baby that was finally born by actually just saying, what do you want this offense to be? Because early in the season, when they were running that really condensed front, they would 
the, a safety would play down because if I have two or three tight ends on offense, you have to have a body around because if you just let a tight end, even if there's, even if it's a passing play, if you just let a tight end just free release and run down the field, that dude is too big to be able to just let him go. And so you're going to want to get some hands on and play him more physically because then you let a receiver as, as far as receivers go, tight ends are slow compared to wide receivers. So you let a guy that's a little bit slower and you make him change his route. He's less in rhythm of the offense. So you're going to play him physically. So you're going to put down anyway. And also if Iowa State's shown the tendency to run, I'm going to put a guy closer. So I'm going to play that safety way down. So yeah, there's two or three tight ends that are in the box. Uh, so you, you know, you have numbers air quotes, but there's also another safety down there. So you're bringing more to the party and you have to then be a hundred percent. And even if you are a hundred percent, that safety that's up top, he's probably going to have some type of run fill. And if you haven't shown a reason that you need to keep him back, that guy is going to be often the one that's either making the tackle or forcing a running back to bounce. Even if you do block it cleanly in the past two weeks, Rocco and the offense and letting, and Shilhas letting everything spread out has forced teams to defend all 52 and a half side to side and the entire length of the field, even on run fakes. So because they've been a lot of their big shots have been on play action, that play, that run action that you're trying to get on play action doesn't mean I collapse downhill, which leaves room for the running backs because play action, that run action, I, I put my hand out if I'm Rocco, that doesn't mean handoff. And if, it, if for whatever reason he pulls up to throw because Iowa state has been good in the play action game, you've got to stay honest which leaves the safeties much less aggressive, puts them farther back. You put faster guys in the field. It puts that other safety back. And now the thing we talked about after the Ohio game, because of the spacing, because the the effect in the passing game, there are less people in the box. There is more space and there's more space between them that the offensive line has time to do the job they need to. And now they're sort of understanding what they need to do. Well, I think what we'd, what we'd seen with Brees Hall, I mean, we were spoiled with him. Yeah. He's obviously a freak, but I, I think he, I saw an interview one time with him and LaDainian Tomlinson and he basically told LT how he like hesitates or he, he basically sets up the, yeah, he's looking at a certain guy. Yeah, like he knows he sets up, he, he, he basically um, like toys with the safety. He knows, he knows who's blocked and who's not blocked based on the, the scheme and says, I want to get that safety to commit because that guy's not blocked. And they always our coach Pope would always say that one's on you of if that safety's unblocked in the scheme, because if, if there's, not 11 guys on offense. One's a quarterback who handed it off. Another guy's a running back. There's only nine guys that are left to block. Well, there's going to be unblocked guys. So if that safety is unblocked, that's you. And I think what, you know, Brees did a really great job of is sucking that, that safety down and then boom, bouncing out and doing his thing. And that's why you see him have so many long runs. He just had a 72 yard of this last week. Um, but I think, you know, the more that Iowa state is able to, yeah, get, get safeties to commit because we, we need to run the ball we'll be able to see, you know, more passes over the top to, to tight ends. That's part of the reason too why, you know, we saw Kohler and, and Allen be so great because they had to respect Brees, but Brees also, you know, on play actions would get those safeties to suck down and then boop over the top. Well, Steve-O had a 24 yard catch on that exactly. exact thing. Exactly. Is that you start screwing with the guy's capacity, the safety's capacity. Cause TCU plays, it's like a poor man's version of Iowa state's defense where they play at three, three, five. It was very poor on Saturday. Oh uh, yeah. Fair. Uh, Iowa state did well but that was also not great. Um, but they have that middle safety that plays kind of a, like the Bo Freeler position where you're trying to play up in the run game, trying to play back. Well, you screw like with that Rover guy. Kinda. Yeah. You screw with that guy. If you can bring him up because the running game is successful, well, then you throw it back, back behind him to a tight end, Steve-O or Brahmer or Bramer or whatever. And then you make that guy have indecision. And then all of a sudden, like if you go back and watch Sama's house call, which go Rams, by the way, 
champs only produce greatness uh anyway silence in the room but uh when if you go back and rewatch that you have a there's two safeties there both of them were unlocked but they took different angles because of what else was happening and so sama paced it pretty well and eventually once he took off i mean no one's going to catch him if he's actually taken off it's fast there's a safe there's a tight end on one side that number three i don't remember what if he was a middle safety or whatever number three had to commit towards that tight end side because he wasn't sure if there's going to be a play action shot that was the same thing that steve-o hit the same thing that bramer hit so he can't go right to where he needed to fill and then there was a guy who was bringing pressure off the outside that sama just outran but they took bad angles not because they're bad players yeah i mean yes you want to take better angles if you're a defender but they took bad angles because the offense has been shown to hit every spot in the field so you can't just go see ball hit ball you go see ball check that against what you think has already happened up oh, something bad's happened see ball hit kind of ball hopefully you can play both then you give up a big 61 yarder so this offense has i feel confident that this is a replicable thing from week to week to week and we've seen it three weeks in a row you know, second half of Oklahoma notwithstanding because they were trying to score 20-point touchdowns. But three weeks in a row, this offense has been efficient in both the, the in the passing game primarily against Oklahoma State, and then TCU corrected against that, and they were able to run the ball. So now they're playing both running and passing game that they can do what they need to do on an offense. Yeah, and I'm just, I mean, yeah, I would say just so young. We got, you know, freshmen and sophomores back there, and, you know, Sanders had a great game. And which is good. I mean, he's hasn't really been like fully healthy. I don't think all year. And he just was out there Saturday and looked great. Yeah. And, at 16 for 99. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he has a hundred yard game in his career. I feel like one yard away, man. Yeah, I know. it. Oh, damn it. Um, uh, also, you want to know a fun fact, how many seniors recorded an offensive statistic? How many senior senior football players recorded an offensive statistic on Saturday? I want to go on a limb and say one Easton Dean one. The exactly one Rocco Becht, freshman, Eli Sanders, sophomore, Abu Sama, true freshman, Cartavius Car- uh, Norton, sophomore, Carson Hansen, uh, fresh or true freshman, Jalen Knoll, junior, Easton Dean, senior, Steve O'Klotz, junior, Jaden Higgins, junior, Bramer, freshman, Hansen, freshman, Sama, freshman, Jackson, junior, Norton, sophomore. Literally one senior recorded an offensive statistic that's not an offensive lineman. And even if you look at the offensive line, Neil, junior, Hufford, senior, uh, Jim, sophomore, black freshman and then miller is like a 27 year old but you have probably has a covid year left or something yeah, but there's really three guys if between hufford miller and dean there are three guys that recorded an offensive statistic and now there's i'm sure there's some other guys that were missing but like this is an incredibly young roster and they're still able to produce like that I mean, for the back half of this year, you'd expect them to continue getting better as young guys are going to be doing. But if you look even in the future, I'm sure there are going to be some transfers in and out of this. But the core nucleus of this roster is set for a while. Like this is a it's it is a fun time to watch now that the offense has been sort of unchanged from where they had been in the past. Well, and we are in October now. Or as I like to say, October, October, October. So I don't expect us to lose ever again. Um but it's uh, it's it's. That's why they put the bye week in there, I'm trying to hold the man down. Wow, those dirty dogs! They you're put right. A bye week in October. Those dirty dogs. And one home game. Is one all? home game and a bye week in October. They know they know what the seat what it is. They're really trying us, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Bastards. Um, I th- I think Rocco has looked good every. He's like gotten better and better, more comfortable every game. This last game statistically wasn't like one of his better games, but he made good decisions. I mean, there were some that you saw him. Uh, you saw him throw a ball away that last game, I think he forced it and got picked off. 
Same looked like the same play. Threw it away. Wasn't there? Threw it away. So well, and and Jalen Noel would have had two touchdowns if they were on time. So like th- again, they're still freshmen. Like they're still figuring this out. Yeah. And this is also kind of the the chains being off of the offense as far as playing in a, a lot more open. They still will run a, a two tight end sets, but I haven't seen a three tight end set in a while. They'll usually run two tight ends and then bring Higgins in as sort of an attached quote tight end because he's a big dude. He's not a tight end, but it's a, a more vertical receiving threat out of that that more condensed position, which makes the safeties have to think a little bit. But like those, there's two corner routes that the way TCU was playing, they played tight down on the number one receiver and they played off and inside of the number two receiver. That corner route is there every single time they line up in that. If you went two by two, so two receivers on one side, two receivers on the other side to the wide side of the field, they gave you that corner every single time. So there is two or three times where that was thrown. It was thrown either late or overthrown. And so stuff like that, that's, that's the stuff you're going to go back in the film room. And what another really nice thing, and I think is low key, really important with a freshman quarterback what position does Nate Shieldhouse coach? Quarterback. Because the offensive coordinator is the quarterback's coach, meaning throughout the week, they're going to be practicing stuff that you would normally be practicing, like with an offensive coordinator. But then at the end of the week, come Thursday, he's going to have a conversation the entire time during film meetings being like, what are you comfortable with? Where did you, what are you seeing here? Because like on paper, every, there could be things that look, let's use that corner route for an example. Let's say that like that based on that coverage, I don't know if it was cover four or cover two, but Either way, that that corner route is going to be open with an off inside defender over number two every single time. But if we can't hit it, then you just throw it out because it's a wasted down. And so you then have the conversation in film on Thursday or Friday and say, what do you like? What do you not like? Let's cross this off the play sheet. What do you really like to see? Hey, what makes you feel comfortable? And then you can coach to that and you can call to that, which has allowed Rocco to be a lot more comfortable because he has a lot more I know why this play is being run because they've already had that conversation where I, I do appreciate offensive coordinators that are offensive line coach or offensive line coaches, because you do want to have the offensive line also comfortable. Cause if your offensive line is really good, everybody can be average and you can still have a really good offense, but having the quarterback when he's a baby, a freshman, having him have the coordinator in the position meeting room and having that guy also having played quarterback within the last like 15 years understands how everything goes and understands the emotional importance about keeping him calm, keeping him comfortable, making sure he knows what's going on. So like Shieldhouse and Rocco being in the same room, like that has been sort of a secret sauce of this year. And the more comfortable he gets and the more that safeties then have to respect that, the more comfortable the offense or the offensive line is going to be, the more comfortable the running backs are going to be in a sort of this upward feeding cycle that this is a sustainable offense. So long as, Rocco does what he did in Oklahoma state week and this week and not turns the ball over a couple times like he did against Oklahoma, which again, those, as you get older, those things become more comfortable to do. So you're telling me that Rocco is just one big ball of clay, just a big old gooey ball of clay that Shieldhouse is molding into a superstar. Just molding, just an understanding. If we're keeping the clay metaphor, perhaps you want to make this clay into a giant vase. But if you spread it out too thin, then that's not going to be structurally sound enough. This thing wants to be more of a candle holder. And you just, you change it to what it needs to be based on what it can handle. And then you, you mold it to what it wants to be, what it can handle, and then don't force it into situations that it's not. So this has been, this has been a really nice thing. And I think Campbell will look back on this probably at, you know, everyone does the post season, postmortem coaches, players, whatever, and say that was probably one of the best moments of being able to, you know, Williams and Bloom talked about it on Sunday when you get absolutely just shit canned like they did against Ohio 
and you have to look into the mirror and say, what are we doing wrong? How do we fix this? And then coming up with a solution, that's got to be super rewarding. Whatever the season ends up being, which I think it still has a chance to be pretty damn successful, yeah. whatever it ends up being, this season is going to be looked at as, as a substantial success uh, because of what they were able to do. And also, can we bring up the the guy who said, Campbell, you're on the hot seat? If someone's around that guy, just flick him in the nose, like really hard. Just want, not, not super abuse, just like just a little bit. Or just say, hey, buddy, do you, do you eat your own crow yet? Yeah, look around the eye and say, you, dude. Duck. We're going to put the duck there. Duck's We're going to put the duck there. Let's, let's talk about Cincinnati for the next five, 10 minutes. Um, and then let's, let's give our listeners back some time. Um, I think it starts up front with Emory Jones, their quarterback up front. You say uh, he's not up front. He's a quarterback. Quarterback's like the least up front person. Yeah, but he's, he's up front compared to the running back. <laughs> Sometimes but that's, he's not at all up front. He's usually the guy there. There, there are rules in, in the game that defend him from getting hit. I used the wrong uh, verbiage there. Okay. So looking at Emory Jones, their quarterback um, in his sixth year of college, the dude is hopefully he's getting like a doctorate. He's, he's probably 25, 24, 25. I mean, started at Florida least. was thrown to Kadarius Tony at Florida for four years. His stats were very meh. I mean, yeah, he had 16 attempts for his freshman year, two touchdowns, no picks 38. I mean, he's averaging his uh, his completion percentage is like around sixty percent. His senior senior year, his first was, senior was, year, his first senior year was twenty twenty one at Florida. Threw for twenty seven hundred yards, not bad. Nineteen touchdowns, thirteen picks, not great. Uh, last year he was at Arizona State. Had no idea. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I, Herm Edwards, man. When when I had heard that uh, Emory Jones came, I thought, oh, Emory Jones came from Florida. I didn't even know nope. he had a, Arizona didn't, State. Didn't know yep. he had a pit, pit stop, stop year. Yeah, didn't know he had a pit stop in Arizona State. Last year, threw for 1,500 yards. Um, to my understanding, he played all 12 games. I don't know. Seven touchdowns. Arizona State's terrible. Yeah, seven touchdowns, four picks. Not good. This year, he has thrown for 1,200 yards. His stats are actually almost identical to Rocco Beck's. I know he's played one last game than Rocco, but he's thrown for like 23 more yards, the same amount of touchdowns, and one more pick. You know that, what's different, though? That, that, Rocco's that, played that a redshirt in, freshman. Rocco's played in six games. Emory's played in probably 60. Yeah. So the thing with Emory Jones, and so I've watched enough Cincinnati and also Florida when he was there. I didn't watch an Arizona State games because they're always on at like 10 p.m. and I've, you know, sleep to get. But one of the things about him is that he is very feast or famine. That's the thing that Cincinnati's gotten so far is they are very feast or famine. You're going to see a 70-yard touchdown drive and a play that makes you go, holy shit, that is really good. And also, you're going to see him stand around in the pocket for nine seconds. You know, obviously, if he's got nine seconds, that's bad. But it, you know what I mean? It's he's going to hang on to it for a really long time for no real good reason. There's going to be a guy running wide open that he just doesn't look at. So he's, I don't know if it's indecision or if he's trying to every single play wants to make that big play. But that's where those interceptions come from and where the low completion percentage comes from because he's either going to, he's, he's, he's less likely to get rid of the ball in like two seconds and much more likely to get rid of the ball in five seconds each one of them is either going to be like two yards or 50. And so that's the thing that Cincinnati's got going, which when you ha when you're playing, I think that's their struggle. When you're playing up in the big 12, most teams are solid front to back. There's very few places you can pick on. So Cincinnati in the past, when you have a, when you're playing against a team that's, you know, a, a lower mid tier American conference team uh, or CUSA or whatever there was CUSA, CUSA, um, 
AAC, AAC American Conference. Yeah. Um, so lower mid-tier American Conference, you can find like a safety and you can just wait for that guy to make a mistake and I'll throw it to him. Now, granted, he wasn't at Cincinnati last year. When you're playing against higher level competition, you have good players at each position. So I think Iowa State's defense is going to have a lot of success, but it's not beyond the fact that Cincinnati could go three and out, three and out, three and out, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Like that, that's reasonable to do because his high-end talent is really, really high, but his mistakes are also very, very common. Yeah, and I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place when I say this here, and I hope I don't jinx us, but of the four new, well, I didn't check UCF, but of the four new... Cincinnati's, uh, all of them, they are over. They have, they're all over. They beat each other. But BYU is the only one who has beaten a, a Big 12 team. And Which, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So yeah. none, none of the new teams have beaten a Big 12 over. team. So I hope that Iowa State continues that trend next week and beat them. But yeah, we're, we're, you got to be road dogs. Yeah, and you have to understand how to play on the road, which it is different. Your routine's different. The locker room's different. Your walkthrough's in like in a hotel parking lot. It's not at the Jacobson. Uh, your lockers are different. The routine's different. Like you got to get your tape. Well, the, tape, the training room might be eight by 10 and you have, they just set up taping in the hallway outside and then you have to go get a heat pack for your shoulder and then that's got to be, you know, outside and then whatever. And like all this stuff is different. And so if you allow the differentness and also, you know, noise, like especially when you're on offense, uh, which I also really like that they added a shush thing uh, on the state in the, on the complete side note at the Iowa state game, there was like a third or a fourth down that Iowa state was trying to complete. They were on offense and there was a shush thing that they put up on the, the scoreboard, which was, is great. Was it Dominique Orange? I don't, I think it was, I don't remember somebody. Oh, it was a guy. Nice. It was an actual person. I thought it was like a big old, like the big old emoji. Like, no, it was like an actual person. They put up a shush. And anyway, um, they, but like when you play on the road, you want it to be quiet when these crucial moments are happening. It's you're trying to communicate stuff. You're trying to, Hey, there's this person's blitzing. The wide receiver's trying to yell at you and say, Oh, the corner's slanting. The safety's over here. Corner blitz, corner blitz, corner blitz. You can't hear that. So you just have to like, all that stuff is different when you're on the road and you have to get used to that. And that's a thing, especially again, we had, there are one, there's one senior. And I think if you include the rest of the upperclassmen, there are four juniors. There's four upperclassmen that recorded an offensive statistic in this game. Everybody else are underclassmen. And so you got it. It takes a little bit of time to get used to. Uh, this is an, as good of an opportunity as any based on how the last few road games have gone to get everybody's focus back, to be able to do the things you need to do to get a win. And they haven't been that Cincinnati hasn't been that impressive at home. I mean, they lost to Miami of Ohio. Kept which, Oklahoma close. Yeah. Well, twenty to six. Yeah, yeah, twenty to six. I mean that yeah. That game should have been like thirty five to six. But. As, as far as Oklahoma goes, that's that's a close game. They lost to Miami of Ohio at home and who loses to a Mac school. Yeah. Sure. They also beat uh Eastern Kentucky though, which I don't even know. Shout out Hilltoppers, right? Yeah, shout out Higgins. Um sixty six to thirteen. So they can score, I guess. But I don't think they've faced I don't think they've faced a defense like Iowa State's before. Other than Oklahoma. Other than Oklahoma's, yeah. And which they scored six points. Six points at home. Yeah. So I feel good about it. Um, okay. Last thing I want to talk about is um, the specialist for Cincinnati. Their kicker is really good. Carter Brown. Um, he is. Charlie Brown? Uh, Carter. Charlie Brown. Carter Brown. Is, Charlie Brown. He came with um, Emory Jones from Arizona State. He's a true sophomore. He's 10 of 12 on the year. He's four for four from 40 and beyond. So definitely not like Grandma Mahoney's stats. Um, his two misses have come from 20 to 29. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Oof. Short ones, I'm telling you, they suck. And um, 30 to 39, he's missed one in each of them. So other than that, though, he's good. Um, yeah, number 33. And then their punter, Mason Fletcher. He ain't no uh, Tyler Perkins, that's for sure. Um, Mason is a junior. Dude's got long levers. He's from uh, Melbourne. Melbourne? Melbourne, yep. So he's got long hair. 6'7", junior. 
Got long levers. He's six seven junior from Melbourne. He's averaging forty three yards on the season, so not bad. Forty three. A nice. long long of fifty seven. Fifty seven. Last year he had right. a long of eighty four. Eighty four. Holy shit, dude! This accent's way better than your southern accent. Um. So yeah, Mason Fletcher. I mean, not he's really, a six seven punter. I'm not even gonna try. I was, Righteous, I was, about, I was yeah. about to try to. Yes, but I don't. I can't. I sound Irish. <laughs> So that, that's the specialist. Other than that, though, I don't really know much about Cincinnati. I think it's a very winnable game. Um, it'd be a great win to continue on this momentum. momentum. Yeah. Uh, momentum. Into, into the bye week, who we hopefully have a special guest on bye. next week. Yeah, hopefully we get a special guest. Uh, yeah, no, no promises. So that's all I've got for you, Jeff. You got anything left for us? No, I think that's it. I, hopefully this is hopefully it's a fun weekend next week. I mean, the first road games are hard. Hopefully they can take a road win. Yes. Uh, thank you for all the loyal listeners who are still listening right now. And remember, adopt. Don't shop.